0: Welcome to the Cozy Cozy Podcast. We're here to create comfort along the entrepreneurial journey and really the life journey. Join us for inspiring, dynamic conversations that make the arduous process of venturing out into the unknown feel more doable because we believe in making the impossible possible. We hope you'll join us as we play in the infinite. So pull up a seat, grab a blanket. Let's get cozy. Welcome back to the Cozy Cozy Podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Wood Kuzmeyers, and incredibly excited today for our guest, Kimberly Dedrickson, she is the CEO and founder of Learning Motherhood. And Learning Motherhood is a company that's enabling seamless transitions between parental leave and the return to work. I, as a born and bred entrepreneur, who's only spent one and barely a half years in corporate America, has never I've never had to deal with this issue, but it breaks my heart to see so many of my friends deal with the stressor of how many weeks am I going to get off for postpartum? What if my postpartum experience doesn't go the way I think it's going to go, right? Like I have one friend who had a pretty easy first postpartum, second time had severe postpartum depression and anxiety. I've had friends that had an awful first time. And personally, at six weeks postpartum, I still couldn't even figure out how to rock him down for his nap and he wouldn't nap. And we, we really didn't even have a nap schedule. Um, I would be crying in my room trying to get him to fall asleep. I was up multiple times a night, and if you know me well, you know that I joke, my son is the worst sleeper in America, and now at over two and a half, we're still waking up in the middle of the night. It's, uh, It's pretty hard over here. And I'm so privileged to be in the seat of an entrepreneur and make my own hours and make my own schedule, and I know that that is not the norm, which is why I was so interested in the work that our guest today, Kimberly, is doing in the world because there are so many people who don't even know what their parental leave really is. And then they go to their companies and their company doesn't really know either. And so I hope that you guys see and learn and hear what an incredible resource Kimberly is and and how powerful her company Learning Motherhood, um, all the powerful work they're doing today because you can bring them to your employer and your employer can work with them to To uh, better understand how to educate their employees on what their rights are and what they have access to when it comes to paid leave, non-paid leave, parental leave, family leave, all of that. And so I'm really excited for you guys to hear Kimberly's story today. As always, I love to tell you guys the backstory on how I get connected to my guests because after officially five years of doing this podcast, I have been so blessed to connect with so many amazing people from all over the world. And there's always a fun story behind it. And I'm always grateful for how our paths connect. So, Last July, I joined an accelerator called Dream Ventures. I've talked about it a lot on here. I loved it so much and it culminated in a big investor dinner wherein I got to pitch to a room full of investors and really just awesome people. And I met someone named Deshi Sign who is on the board of a 501c3 called chamber of mothers chamber of mothers is doing really important work at the national level they fly into dc and they work on getting legislation passed that pertains to maternal health parental leave um, and child care and i was just so fascinated with learning more about chamber of mothers and uh, cozy cozy just gave 2500 to chamber of mothers uh, for Giving Tuesday, and we're so grateful to be able to sponsor them or um, give back to them because of the work that they're doing. It's going to have to change at a governmental level, and it's so important to me um, for people to have access to childcare. You know, I wanted Declan to be able to get in somewhere at um, age one, and unfortunately, around me, uh, I couldn't get in anywhere for at least a year, and. I'm grateful that I can afford to have a nanny come a couple days a week, and I can work odd hours as an entrepreneur, but that's not the case for everybody. So love the work Chamber of Mothers is doing, and it just so happens that Kimberly is a volunteer for the organization, and I had found her on the website and had Courtney on my team reach out, and I totally forgot that that is how we got connected. So love sharing that story. Uh, I put a link for Chamber of Mothers in the show notes. so You guys can check them out as well in case you want to get involved or support in any way so again very excited for you guys to hear more about kimberly she worked for a fortune 100 company she managed a massive team built out a huge part of their sales organization for over 15 years. And it was during her second maternity leave that they changed her job. And her job involved a ton of travel that she just couldn't accommodate as a mom to two little kids. And so she felt like she was forced out of the workforce. And she knows it shouldn't be that way for so many people. And that is her mission now. So really, again, excited for you guys to learn more. And before we dive into the episode, I'm going to share a little cozy, cozy update as I always do, because that's how we grow and I'm so passionate about what we are building so as mentioned if you're a new listener Cozy Cozy is a perinatal products company which means we are on a mission to innovate in the perinatal space so that means from the time you think about getting pregnant all the way through the fourth trimester also known as the postpartum phase which can really be up to many years after baby you're never really not postpartum (laughs) after you've had a baby And so right now, our first product on the market is Nip Gloss. It is an innovative nipple and lip balm. How is it innovative? We have a ceramic cooling applicator head that is so easy to use. It glides on like a gloss and then heals and hydrates like a balm. Our product is all natural, it's non-toxic. Over 70% of the ingredients are certified organic already. We don't have the certified organic label yet because that takes some time, but we are excited to have that soon. And the tube is actually made of cornstarch, so it takes less energy to make and it breaks down better in the environment. And we are getting such great feedback and we're looking for more affiliates. So if you are interested in sharing the good word about this easy to use, cap pops off with one hand because moms do everything with one hand, nipple and lip balm, uh, email me. My email is always in the show notes and we are looking for aligned partners who want a discount for their customers, their clients, their community, and also to make commission on the product. We're also looking to connect with lactation consultants and anyone interested in trialing the product uh, and giving us even more feedback. And then we also have our nipple diapers product the world's first absorbent disposable bra made of biodegradable materials getting closer and closer it's still not on the market but it's coming soon and we also have an ergonomic pee cup for all of the times you are testing for ovulation i don't know about you guys but i am on a crazy really arduous episode dropping soon on my secondary infertility journey and i am peeing on ovulation strips at least five days out of the month and then uh pregnancy test at least five days out of the month which means there's an opportunity for me to pee on my own hand at least 10 times a month and that is just so not a great entry to motherhood and if you're a mom you know how messy and stressy motherhood is but that is our goal is to reduce mess and stress so that you can better bond with your baby and that is why we have our ergonomic pea cup coming out in early 2024 we're so excited about it if you're not subscribed to the newsletter um, there is a link in the show notes to subscribe there where we're giving coupon codes we're giving resources to all the great um Doula groups, lactation groups, nutrition groups that are out there supporting moms in a service based way. We're always sending resources out. So make sure you subscribe there. And there's also a coupon code uh, coupon. Uh, discount code i should say in the show notes if you're interested in purchasing nip gloss today and thank you so much for being listeners being supportive and following along this journey as we grow i really hope that this episode lands for you um, especially if you are pregnant and you are looking to um figure out what your options are when it comes to taking time off for that yummy, blissful um, postpartum phase. And it really can be yummy and blissful if you have the support you need. And that is a huge part of why we do this podcast uh, from lists, from interviews this over the past year with companies like Milky Oat that do postpartum meal delivery uh, to different doula groups for postpartum doulas, for, um, birth doulas, Uh, there's so many amazing resources you guys that we have put out over the last year on All things birth and business, and I really hope that they find you well because you are not alone. There are so many ways to better support yourself. Even what's coming to mind now is um, Be Her Village and Little Honey Money. They're both places to create better for you registries, and I am not not sponsored by them. I just love the content that we've created with them. So check out our other episodes if that's interesting to you. And um, thank you all so much for being here. Without further ado, let's get into our episode with today's guest, Kimberly Deidrick. Kimberly, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so thrilled to be here.
0: I love um, when I find connections on the internet. It doesn't always happen this way, but it's fun because I get to meet new people that I wouldn't bump into uh, down the road. So thanks for being here. Uh, My first question today that I ask everybody this season is who are you before labels, titles, or what someone could Google about you?
1: I think I like at the heart of what I hope people take away from who I am is just um, I sort of lead with kindness and my heart. And so everything that I do is um, leading that direction. So what I mean by that is like, I'm one of those individuals that really cares what people think and um, really is concerned about others. And so that's just been who I have been since I can remember. I'm also I it's hard not to do a title at all, but I would say yeah. something that really does um explain who I am is I've always been an athlete. And so an athlete could take on so many different levels. It's not it could be, you know, swimming or I've just always been active. Um, and that is something that's super important to me and definitely makes up who
0: I am. So cool. I have, I share that with you. And I think, you know, maybe growing up doing so many sports made me like permanently feel like I have to be a busybody because it was just always moving. And this, this sports team, then this practice, and this, it was a lot, um, we'll have to unpack it, but I'm curious, do you know, your Enneagram type?
1: Oh my gosh, I did, but I don't now. Cause okay. we did so many of those exercises. Um, when I worked in corporate America, uh, okay. for someone else and we did a ton of those, okay. um, but I can't recall now.
0: Okay. I was going to ask if you're a type two, when you were like when you were describing leading with your heart and yeah what people think and all of that which is really sweet um so if you ever find out let me know I'm curious yeah um so I think one of the things that I always am curious about when I meet moms is um did you always want kids was that something that was on the agenda for you from the time you were a little girl or was it something that you decided on later
1: uh, no, I did always envision myself with a family. I sort of think at an early age, I envisioned having that picket, white picket fence, like that whole romanticized feeling of what a family was with two kids. I didn't, gr- I, my parents divorced when I was super young. So um, I envisioned sort of this, like the components of what I would love to have. Um, as a two family household Mm. Um, and really wanting that. But that was not my top priority. My top priority was really building a career. So, you know, picking college and picking where I was going to be after college, those were really driven based on this want in high school and earlier on of Wanting to really build a career, have financial stability, and be able to make these decisions of what I wanted to do with the backing of being professional in the working environment and also having some financial legway to kind of say, Yeah, I'm going to go on that trip to Italy or I'm going to go um, save money to buy a house. Like that was in me at an early stage. And I just always envisioned, okay, I'm going to get married at some point and have kids at some point.
0: Okay. So cool. My parents also, um, divorced really young. And when the divorce happened, my mom went back to work and she had been a stay at home mom until I was maybe like seven or eight. And so I had a very similar drive because of, what can happen during divorce, financial stress, financial stress with one parent, maybe not the other or both. And the instability of being a single mom and feeling the need to provide, even though I knew I really wanted to be a mom and be married, I was like, I have to figure this out first. So I I really resonate with that. Did you have something like in mind? Was it entrepreneurship? What kind of career did you want to build and how, um, At what point did you feel like you had quote unquote made it enough to have kids? Because a lot of listeners that have been thinking about having kids, there's always that question aside from, you know, biological clock considerations. Like when, when do you know that you're ready to like take the leap into motherhood?
1: Yeah. So kind of like going back to when I was in high school, I knew I immediately like latched on to going to business school and wanting to have this. Again, I don't know if it was the movies that I was watching or the shows that I was watching and growing up in a very rural area of Maine, but I very much wanted to work in a high-rise building, like live in a city that had a ton of diversity and um, just experience new things um, that I didn't get to see that often um, where I grew up. So that was my goal. It was like, okay how do I get to a high rise? Well, I'm going to go to business school and from business school, I'm going to get a job and I'm going to work in a city. Um, and I'm not going back to Maine where I grew up, I'm going to be somewhere else. And so that was like an early on sort of thought process for me. And when those things, and honestly, like I put my mind to it and it happened. Um, Um, and so then after getting the job out of college, I sort of started building my career and marriage came after that. I met my husband in college. Um, and so we dated throughout our twenties and then in our early thirties is when we got married and, and bought a house. And then that's when I was like, okay, yes. All right, we're Mm. going to kind of explore this idea of having kids. But I would say we were kind of later to the game. Like most of my fan, most of my friends, um, generally speaking, I'd say like 80% were already married, and we were still getting there. We were still, Mm. you know, going through that process. Um, and I just I think that probably came from childhood. Like my parents were really young when they got married, and so um and there's so many things that made that uh, an incredible experience i'm so grateful for what that created inside of me to be who i am today but i wanted going back to that financial stability of like really feeling solid you know buying a home kind of going through that process I wanted all those things in place. Like we so did, you know, what you would think would be that American dream. We got a dog, like we did that first. I mean, the only like sort of caveat is we um, got got the house before we were engaged. So that was was like mm -hmm. the only thing that went off the rails a little bit.
0: Gotcha. Well, I think there's something to be said about having that foundation that makes us feel a little bit more ready for having kids. Like, you know, there's so much talk about the baby registry and the nursery. And once you've been through it, you're like, I just needed more help. Or I, you know, there's a million things yeah. probably get into on what it really takes to uh, learn motherhood. Uh, but I think before you've ever done it, you do want kind of those big rocks checked off if you can plan it out that way. And if that's kind of the way your life goes with having a little more financial security, having a home, having a grounded partner to do it with. But at the same time, were there any other considerations? And I'm kind of backing into this because yeah. what you are building and what you or what you've built now, but anything else that was on your mind when you were like, okay, I'm going to have a kid. I'm, I'm ready. I, I, My career is at XYZ spot. Um, I would love to hear kind of your mindset going into having kids. And was it like a I am ready to do this? Let's start trying. You got pregnant right away. How did that go down? Because I think that also, um, I've had several friends that are like they think they're gonna. It's gonna take them a while, and they have more time to prepare. And then they get pregnant like right away, and they're like, "Oh my gosh! Like we're actually doing this."
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah. So we took like the first year of our marriage to just be married. And in terms of work, my career was really picking up. I was an, a young manager in a very, like a fortune 100 company. So I was very devoted to my career. Um, and so as my husband, he was building out his career too. And so we were like, let's, let's just like settle into this. We made we did some big things the last two years. We got, you know, bought a house, got engaged, like got married, like, let's just chill a little bit. Yeah. And we did have that thought process, like, okay, like when we're ready, we'll, we'll get pregnant. And um that is not how it rolled for us. So when we were ready, it just wasn't happening. And as, you know, we were sort of later on the age um in terms of like having our first child and knowing we wanted to have more than one children a child hoping that we had the opportunity to have that, um, it's, it was feeling a little frustrating to be honest. And so it was quite a a journey for us. And so we were going through a fertility specialist, um, working with a fertility clinic. Um, and honestly, like a month before we were going to kind of do IVF, I got pregnant naturally. It's so crazy. Oh. So yeah, my, actually, it's funny on a working standpoint, when I told my boss that I was pregnant, um, he thought I was looking for another job because I had had all these doctor's appointments. And so doctors,
0: I had, yeah, yeah,
1: I hadn't shared the information with him, obviously, cause I was not ready and no one should be forced to do that. But when I said like, Hey, I have something to tell you, he was like, please tell me you're not looking for another job. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: So, I mean, there's so many of us out there that have kind of gone through that where they're not ready to say anything. And yet they're kind of going through that experience of like having to not be a hundred percent honest with their employer at the time because they're not ready to say it. Um, So it's hard. It's hard. That whole component of like, when do you tell your um, boss or HR what you're going through? Um, But it's a huge piece to this. Uh, So yeah, that's, that's, and to me, I was looking at this through rose colored glasses. It's like, okay, I'm pregnant. This is finally happening. I'm so happy that it's finally happened. We avoided like a very huge financial expense, and so grateful that this happened the way it did. Um, and our fertility doctor was shocked. He could not believe. He was like, wow, I cannot believe that happened. So, you know, overall, I thought I was in like this very blissful stage. And because we had worked so hard to get there, I thought, okay, this is great. But one, I didn't love being pregnant and two, I was really still a hundred percent focused in on my career. Mm -hmm. So, and I was working a lot of hours. So I'd work all day and then I'd come home. I would then get back on my computer and work more. And it was just to show, you know, how, how committed I was to the organization,
0: Mm. And and now I'm sure a lot of moms listening and you now you're like okay that doesn't fly when you want to also build a family it's just not yeah. conducive and this is also really interesting to me because as someone who I've only ever spent a year and a half in corporate America and it was corporate real estate and I was a okay. developer so I was on the road I wasn't even in an office like I I really have like zero experience in office culture um and and big companies and when it came time for my pregnancy, I had, I think at one point I had like five clients, which felt like slow. And I was like, I could turn it up or I could turn it down and I'm not feeling great. So I'm going to turn it down. And I never had to really go through that big mental shift of like, okay, now I'm hardcore, like a hundred miles per hour on work. And then I'm going to go to the hospital. And then what? Like, so what was your, like, were you working until your due date? And then what was your paid leave? Because this is a really hot topic. Um, Right now I have, being from the Midwest, I have a friend who only had in my mind, I say only because I know people have less than this, but 12 weeks. And she was fighting with her doctors to get a note just to give her one more week. She didn't even want to be paid for it. She's like, I just want one more week of job security. My baby is not ready to go to daycare. Um, meanwhile, in Massachusetts, where my husband works, he gets four months of paternity leave and it just breaks my heart. So what was your uh, potential leave going into Yeah.
1: So it's really, um, we do a lot of research on paid leave, um, and no paid leave. Um, and it is really state by state, but my experience with my own personal journey, um, through that first pregnancy was, um, I took, I learned a lot about what the state provides. So I live in California Now, if you call your HR department, which is what I did, and you look at your handbook, which is what I did, um, and you look at like what you're provided, um, they're all going to say FMLA, generally speaking, like as a standardized situation, if the company qualifies to offer FMLA because it's in that um qualification with um what the na- this federal level provides, um, excuse me, like the national level provides, then you have this accessibility to um FMLA. However, which is 12 weeks unpaid. Um, however, I knew I lived in California, so I went ahead and started researching what the state offers and When I had called my HR department about this, they said, I'm so sorry, but I cannot give you any guidance on the state of California. You're going to have to research that on your own. And I think this is where a lot of organizations fall short, but a lot of reasons why employees don't get access to like the leave that they actually can get for the states that offer more. California is one of those states that offers a tremendous amount of more. One of those things is if you qualify, um, which they have expanded the leave quite a bit. um, If you qualify, you can get access to a month prior to baby um, to take off. And so, yeah, yeah. Uh, And so I knew this. No one in my company had ever done this. My company is located in Massachusetts that I work for. However we have like large satellite offices so that there were specific requirements in order to get access to, you know, some of this pre pregnant or pre-baby leave. And I was able to get access to it because our company qualified for it although our company did not tell me about it, um, I found out on my own. Wow. And so what I will say is like, you have to take, and I say this like sadly, but you have to take control over your own leave. And so you can't accept, no, you don't have access to this, or I don't know, or I can't, or my company's telling me I don't. You got to take control over it and go to your state. Figure out what you have possibly, your state disability, figure out and start reading through those things. There's some really great resources. We're a resource. There's um, some other really amazing resources out there to learn about this. But if you don't, you will never know. And so I just always say to whenever I have an opportunity is please don't just take what your company says as the end all be all, because you could be in a state like Massachusetts or California and the company just doesn't know. Mm. Um, So that was a huge piece. So going back to what you're saying and why I think this is so important is because I was um, managing a large team and then while I was going through my pregnancy, I would have to drive sort of like, I had all of Southern California as my territory. So I would have to drive to LA, San Diego, um, wherever it is. And so when you drive to LA and you're pregnant and you're going through traffic, yeah. Like traffic is like, you feel like you're being rocked, like a baby, like you're just going back and forth. So I would get to my location sometimes to visit some of my sales reps in different areas. And I would literally go into, like when I got into the garage of wherever I was going, I would chill in the garage for 20 minutes with my eyes closed because that's how tired I was. And I just feel like there's so little said about before baby too and how exhausted and Mm. all complications that happen to so many women that just get kind of like missed or not acknowledged. And I, so, or, or we as mothers feel terrible saying like, Hey, I got to take this time. I'm, you know, we don't want to let our company down our employee. uh, You know, if we have employees underneath us, our team members, we feel bad. Yeah. And yet, we're struggling. So anyway, so I took that month off, um, because it's a use it or lose it. And so I took that and, um, took that time, uh, to be with baby. And then that's, I knew how much time I had after baby, because I'd done all that research, not because my company told me.
0: Hmm. Wow, this is so interesting. I already can't wait to share this episode with people because I'm like, the more you know, right? Like, how do we not know this? And why is it already this hard? Anyway, we are literally bringing humans onto the planet and putting ourselves at, yeah, it's just, it's such an intense job. And, you know, now that you are doing something incredibly entrepreneurial, like, you get the risk and there's obviously high risk, high reward. Like I've always kind of lived that way. And I was so used to the risk that my reward was I'd watch Netflix pretty much most of the day. And I'd, pencil my clients in at morning time when I was more alert or whatever, but the mo- I would say the average person is dealing with a nine to five reality or sitting for a long time at a desk or sitting in a car and having to show up when you feel completely and utterly exhausted. And so flash forward, I kind of want to get into how and when you decided to create learning motherhood, because I read a little bit about your postpartum journey and I'm sure that kind of informed it, but there's such becoming a mother and going through all of the hormonal roller coaster that is postpartum that is not just the first year that is not even just the first sec- the second year like i've heard so many facts about postpartum depression and anxiety coming on at year 3 post post baby it's crazy um when and how did you decide to start learning motherhood in the midst of now being a mom because that's also such a tall order as as being a mom
1: Yeah. So I had, you know, had a baby gone back to work, had got pregnant again, had another baby and, um, was forced out of the workforce, um, during my parental leave. And I was not thrilled about it. Like as someone that had, I've worked for the company for 15 years And for someone that had like given that sort of all to an organization, um, it was really disappointing. And so during that time, it was not something that I, like I kind of had thought in my head, oh, it would be so nice if for like whatever reason, things aligned and I had some time to be home. Like I thought that at the time, Um, When it happened, I was like, okay, this is a sign. This is what I'm supposed to do. Um, But as I was home, I realized, no, this is not what I'm supposed to do. Like, I'm not some, uh, I I think we all learn in our path, like what our journey is going to look like during different phases in our life. So, different seasons in our life. So, I thought the season of young motherhood it made sense for me to be home. And so when this, when this, I wouldn't call it an opportunity because I was forced out of the workforce when that occurred that, okay, I'm going to embrace this. And I'm going to be at home with my babies who were two and four months old. And when I was home, I was like, actually, I'm not, I'm not a great mom. If I'm not working, like I'm not me. Like I, can't that's just it it's not working I'm I don't know how to describe it in a way that like fully makes sense but when you're in when you're in the throes of that stage of parenting or any other stage and you feel like something's off and then you start talking about things like work or like things that are outside of that and you start feeling um, a light start to come out of you like oh I get it now like this. I wish I could be that, but I'm just not meant to be that. And so what I learned from that is after having my third child is like, you know what I want? I shouldn't have been forced out of the workforce. I liked working. I like my career and I am going to do something about it. And so I'm going to help companies edge be educated on how to support parents so they don't lose quality people. Like they mm-hmm. lost me and other. And and then when you start like doing the research, you realize, no, 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 I'm not alone. Like everyone is experiencing this at some level, whether it's a manager, a coworker or an employer, somewhere it's happening. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I wanted to change that. And I almost, because of going back to who I was, I almost, I don't blame my company that I worked for I realized like they didn't have the education, the knowledge, the know-how to navigate through early stages of parenting to help support their employees, to retain women in the workforce and overall parents to be able to succeed and grow within the organization. That was where the hole was. And mm-hmm. I looked at it from two because there's also me who was advocating for myself um, to get my parental leave. And I was like, well, parents need that too. Like they're just, they look at what HR tells them. They're like, okay, that's, that's everything. Well, HR doesn't, isn't always educated on what is available for them at a state level. So they're not getting that either. Mm -hmm. They're not getting like the feeling empowered to ask more questions or know where to go or like feel that support to transition on and off parental leave and know how to talk and communicate with their employer and transition back the way they wanted. So that's why I started learning motherhood and felt like, okay, I still get to work with corporate America, which I actually enjoyed. And I still also get to support individual parents through, you know, what I would consider a really fragile state in um, trying to navigate how do they go on this journey and uh, honestly be successful in being able to know that you can be a parent and you can also have a career. They don't have to be um, chosen or or like you can't do both.
0: Oh my gosh, absolutely. And I think so many moms, including myself, can relate to not feeling totally overwhelmingly obsessed with just staying at home on the days where there was several months where I only had two clients and there were many days where I didn't meet with either of them during the week. And I'm like, I felt like I'd be counting down the hours of the day. I wasn't showing up like my best self. It just, I couldn't find my own identity within motherhood in the way that having the ability to shift gears and pop on my laptop, even if I'm only working for an hour or two hours just brought so much joy to me. Um, and so I, I really resonate with that. And, um and that's also not again, the norm for most people. And one of the questions I have is what was this? What was step one? Like, were you helping a neighbor down the road and doing just like coaching moms one-on-one or did you start out like, going to corporations? Did you go back to your original employer? Like, how did you get started? Because I think so many of us are inspired when we become moms on how we can make motherhood and all of this so much better. But when you're exhausted or not sleeping through the night, it's also very overwhelming to get started.
1: Yeah. It was step one was I was helping other coworkers when I was actually still working at my previous job. And I was saying, here's where you go. Here's where you get the information. Here's where you can access all the leave. Here's what you need to do. So that was sort of step one. And then when I actually decided to go full force into building out Learning Motherhood, we started doing, I wanted to do a full year of um, these career parent um, meetups. And so it was Uh, a series of eight classes. And we went over different parts of um, the transition back to work. And so we did components of childcare, we did components of routines and schedules, how to build those out, how to find your childcare, how to kind of navigate the partnership experience that you have when you're kind of transitioning back to work. Because there's the mental and physical load that sort of always kind of falls on naturally on mothers, typically because fathers or your partner typically will go back to work earlier than you. Mm-hmm. So you're home longer. And so a lot of this is already kind of on you and then you go back to work and it never shifts out of that. And so you're still in that frame where you're sort of holding all the cards Um for all the labor at home. And so we talked about that. We had sleep experts come in. We had so many great, we had an employment attorney come in. And so those were in-person classes and they were so great. And that was like, I still talk to those group of women. We had uh, three classes. This all started this, we got two in before the pandemic. And then the third one started the first day of the pandemic. Um. So we did did that one online. But what I will say is, I like I'm still connected with all those ladies, and it just really, first of all, was great to see that the curriculum was so valuable. But secondly, that importance of the curriculum. And so whether you were me who went to corporate America and was an um had a sales team or someone else who was an attorney who was navigating state, um, kind of a state and city experience of being an attorney for a city, or you were a scientist, like it all sort of came together with the material and it all impacted everyone. So that was sort of like the first stage of kind of seeing how, how does this look for all different professions, not just my own experience? And let's, let's broaden that. And when we saw that it actually was valuable for all professions, we went ahead and moved quickly to an online
0: offering. So cool. I mean, it's just something that I think, again, you don't need it till you need it. And then you're like, how the heck has, how do people do this? Like just yeah. getting resources for my pregnancy and preparing for birth and then preparing for postpartum. I didn't have the mental load of dealing with a job or a boss or any of that, and I can't imagine that load. I only hear about it from my friends who are dealing with it, and sometimes the burden becomes so high that they're like, "Maybe I should just leave." Like, yeah. maybe that's it. And and then you know, in a weak moment, I've had friends be like, "I just quit," and I I regret it. Or I've had friends say like. Honestly, I know five years from now when my kids are in school, like I'll be glad I stayed, but it's just a nightmare. And then they become resentful to their team or they become resentful to their boss or their company for not supporting them or understanding. And in many cases, my friends have had bosses who haven't had kids either. So they don't mm-hmm. understand. It's like at the very least when you have coworkers who have been through the sleepless nights, like it's a little bit um, probably more. Uh, refreshing to talk to someone about your experience. Um, what do you think the biggest, like, do you think the biggest need is on the employer or do you think the bigger need is, on, is for uh, the, the employee uh, or both? Cause you're kind of tackling both right now.
1: Yeah. So I'd say it's both. So I think it's education and training for the employer. I'm talking management um, even some support for human resources, because so much, you know, I talked about them earlier on this, the Department of Human Resources. However, they are also tasks with a lot, like a lot. And so, you know, having support for HR and for the managers to help learn we sort of leave this up to them to figure out, like, there's no standards provided. Mm -hmm. There's no, like, here's what you do when your team member comes to you and says, Hey, my, um, partner and I, or I'm pregnant or we're adopting or we're fostering. Like, there's no, like, here's what you do. And so it, it's, providing some support for managers and HR teams um, and then also the support for employees and that what you're talking about with your friend, that's real. And that's why we created our learning motherhood community and our resource of our return to work series, where it's, you know, a digital component that you can access whenever it works for you and on your own time but it helps you see like, okay, this is how I can do it. And Mm -hmm. then we, we don't have time to research like who's a great sleep expert. Who's a nutritionist that I can talk to. What do I do? Like I'm struggling with pumping and I really do want to continue to breastfeed or I want to continue to pump. Um, or I don't want to continue to do either one of those. Um, who do I go to? What lactation consultant? So we do all that research for you and we give you those resources. So you don't have to go like scavenge the internet to try to figure this out. Mm -hmm. Um, we provide that. So we have like our lactation consultant has like a back to work kit that is accessible on our, on our community. And so you can access these things on your own, but they're all in one place. And then we have live talks that you can ask real questions to a sleep expert that we vetted and we know is going to have value for you. So the reason why that's created is just to make it easy, like easy one spot, because the internet is scary. <laughs> and as a new parent or a parent in general, when you like go on there and you say, my baby's not sleeping and through the night. Like, what are you going to pull up? (laughs) You know, it it really can freak you out. So we try to say, okay, we're going to like avoid that for you. If you want to do that. Okay. But like, we're going to give you a safe place where you're not going to deal with that. You have a question about my baby sleeping through the night. You can message us directly. We'll get you in touch with our sleep expert, or we have all these videos that based on the age, uh, you can tap into that and listen to one of our live coffee chats that we recorded.
0: Mm. It's so funny because as you're talking about this, I'm remembering that there was a weird, um, phase in my first year of my son's life. I think it was like maybe six months. I had this influx of clients. I think I had like nine clients and I felt like, I was working so much. And I kept telling my husband, like, if I was a stay-at-home mom, I would have time to research the right sleep trainer. I literally have this moment. I know where I was when I said it. And luckily, I was not in an office. So I was able to be on Instagram more than someone who is in an office, I would guess. And one of my college friends, you know, I, I ended up finding someone. But my point is, like, I even felt the load being someone who's not in an office, who can be on my phone throughout the day, and, fa- and scroll, I still felt like I didn't have time to do that. And I would actually guilt and shame myself at out, almost trying to take myself out of what I love, which is working part-time, hybrid, whatever you want to call it. Because I just, I was like a reason for me to say I wasn't doing enough as a mom um, because it's just impossible. But I think even when you are a stay-at-home mom, it still feels really hard and really yeah. overwhelming. And so do you, do you have people that part of your um, content is, is actually helping them confront that decision because it really is such a big decision. If they were to say like, what if someone enrolled just to help themselves return to work and then be like, wait a second, maybe, maybe I don't.
1: Yeah. I mean, so we have coaching services that can help support sort of that individualized component that happens. And it does like it's, What we see, though, our content is definitely geared towards this career parent experience. What I see more often is they don't see the path and they don't know how to advocate for themselves. And so what we're trying to do is give them the tools. Now, after they go through that experience, I can't necessarily, if I wasn't hired by the company to help train the managers and HR, I can't really control what happens on that end. But my hope is that they have all the tools to be able to advocate for their needs. And hopefully there's some, um, some way to see the light in that challenging situation. However, you know, that's not always the case. And if you don't have, if the manager and the, and the employer don't have that training, unfortunately, I can't control like what happens on the other end, um, which can be super frustrating as, you know, someone that's coaching the clients. It's like, oh my gosh, if I could just get to that manager and talk to them and tell them like, here are the tools that you need to be able to support and know that it's going to work out. It would be amazing. But, you know, my goal is to give every parent the voice they need to be able to make the experience as positive as possible. Um, I also, the other goal is to make sure that, especially for our coaching clients, is that it's a safe environment. You can say to me whatever you're feeling. So if you're feeling like, gosh, I don't want to go back to work. I need another week. I need another month. I can't believe I have to start in two days. You can say that to me and that's just between you and I.
0: Yeah, that's so important. I think the the entrepreneur hustler and me was shocked when I think it was maybe one week home from the hospital. I looked at my husband and I said, I can never work again. And I think so many moms in that first three weeks have that feeling because there's just such overwhelm, at least with your first where you're like, what is this? Like this is requiring all my attention at all hours of the day and your brain just kind of is like, wait, I I could never work again. And then you know you come out of the haze and you start sleeping more, and you're like, okay. But then there's like, but how does this work with my routine? And um, in in Massachusetts at least, um, my husband works for a really progressive, women and minority owned company, um, finance company. And what a lot of because they do the four months of paternity leave, a lot of um the, a lot of his coworkers will have like the they'll both take some time, right? And then the husband will go back and then he can take it later where they'll be able to parse it out for up to like over six months between the two of them, which is so amazing. But it also is just kind of like, if I zoom out from this conversation, it's like half of our population has the ability to give birth in this lifetime and might give birth. And we all came from a woman who gave birth. How is this not part of the conversation. And, and so that kind of leads me to my bigger question for you, which is like, where do you see, like, how do you see the future of parental leave? Like, what's your inspired vision, um, for the future of parental leave?
1: Well, I mean, my inspired vision would be that we have paid leave for all, yeah. for everyone. And it's paid family need, meaning your circumstances could look different. Like, um, it could be that you adopted, it could be that you have, um, a sick family member, like whatever that circumstances that there is support for families. And, you know, for what we're talking about with parental leave, um, 12 weeks, is just not enough. Um, And we kind of went through this a couple of years ago where it was at the federal level or trying to make it happen with the build back better plan. And it was like, okay, I think we can get eight weeks. And okay, no, I think we can only get four weeks. And then I like literally got taken out completely. So I struggle with this because like my ideal world is I think like nine months is a really good scenario for families to figure out what they would like. Most countries that are progressive in the developed world have um way more progressive offerings for this. And so when you look at the US, we are dead last in terms of developed countries that have any support for parental leave. And so I hate to think of this as like well I'm gonna compromise because this is what you know we need so like in my head you know a year to nine months would be the ideal scenario and then you can decide like on your own like I have parents that have said no I'm ready to go back to work at whatever time frame maybe it's eight weeks so okay, I'm ready I want to go back well that's your decision. I just don't love the forced, decision. So if I were to like, kind of compromise at all, I would say six months of paid leave.
0: I think it's fair because you're, I mean, it's, it's just, I think if you've had a baby, um, if you're just like this precious little life, whether you adopt or you have it, like, you're like, they can't fend for themselves. Like, this is my job. And how can humanity not how can my employer not see that this is you know important and it's it's a bigger um i think it's just zooming out to the bigger picture of humanity honestly and i couldn't agree more i cried at 12 weeks and 16 weeks because I just thought there's no way I could go back. And there's so many women that have to do that right now, to your point of the forced decision. And how does that impact the breastfeeding relationship if they wanted to breastfeed longer term and how does it impact their bond or, and, or their ability to perform at work Mm -hmm. because you're thinking you're pulled in in so many different directions that I think it um, especially if you're not ready that um, it's hard to harder to focus
1: and well, and true. it's just the sleep deprivation is pretty intense. And yes. so, and not everyone can hire like if we're talking about the greater population, like no one not everyone's hiring a sleep consultant. they can afford that, you know. Um, and if you look at uh, you know, those that are in lower so socioeconomic status, they're going back after two weeks, and which is insane, insane oh. um and so, you know, when you look at it, um, we have to do something differently. Uh, however, it's just not, a, been a priority in the past to make a huge push. And now there's, or, um, really amazing organizations like chamber of mothers that I'm just are just going to bring
0: them up. We just donated to them for giving. Oh, two- you did? Yeah. We just, I literally just wired the money before this call. Oh
1: my gosh. That's amazing. So I am a member of chamber of mother. So I will definitely share that with them. That is, yes, I am. Um, so I met incredible. Deshi.
0: I met Deshi at um, a dinner in New York in September, and we got to talking about the child childcare um, challenges and access to child care. And um, they were going down to DC like the next week. I was like, oh my gosh, tell me more. I just love everything they're doing because unfortunately, like it is going to have to happen at the government level and they're they're willing to put the energy into it. So, so you're involved. donating.
1: Yes, I am involved. Yeah. Thank you so much for donating. We really appreciate it.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yay. That's so, so cool. Um, I like, didn't realize that connection. Um, and, and they, she was just such a big part of talking about how, um, how important this work is and and how it's really, she gave me this, I think it was Aaron. I talked to Aaron that gave me the example of, um, how they would talk to someone on the right and the right person be like well the numbers don't work out and they're like no here's how it works out like okay well the left would never sign off on this and then the left would be like oh the numbers don't work out and They're like you both are saying the same thing you just need yeah. to talk to each other
1: I mean some of the things just sound crazy to me it's like come on guys
0: yeah. Why can't we figure this out? But, um, spreading yeah. awareness I think is um, the biggest way I'll put a link for the listeners to chamber of mothers in the show notes too. So people can, um, check it out because it's awesome. And, um, and I would love for you to share like where people can find you. It'll all be in the show notes, but where you'd like to be found, where people can find you. Like I like for the listeners to hear it, um, and your current offerings.
1: Yeah. So you can find us at learningmotherhood.co motherhood.co. Um, and then we're on LinkedIn um, and we're also on Instagram and Facebook. We're more active on LinkedIn right now, to be honest, but um, we do have a pretty good presence on i Instagram. So um, you can check us out there. Um, okay. And programs and services. I was like, wait, lost my train of thought again. <laughs> um, so programs and services. We have individual program that's programming, which was really important to me that we have include that um, for people that were like me uh, after my first baby saying, how am I possibly going to re- transition back? So we wanna make that accessible to everyone. We also have coaching services. So I recommend um, the combination of our return to work series and our coaching services for any one that is an individual. Um, that is really going to give you that individual attention as well as our really robust depository of resources, um, through our return to work series. And then our, um, company programming, I am like on a mission to change corporate America one company at a time. So we have training and, um, offerings and consulting offerings for companies, Um, at a management and HR level. And then we have our individual programming that we offer to employers to provide their employees as part of their benefits. And that includes coaching and um, some of our own community format that we create specialized for companies. So it's a custom programming for them.
0: So cool. Amazing. Well, I'm excited for people to check you guys out. I'll put all of that in the show notes for people. And um, thank you so much. I've learned so much today and I'm really excited because I think a lot of moms will not only feel seen and heard listening to this, but also have a place to go to get help. So I love the work that you're doing.
1: Thank you so much. Um, Thanks for having me on. And yeah, if anyone has any questions, please do not hesitate to reach out.